Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to our podcast, The Ins and Outs of Selling a Business. For those of you just joining us, uh, my name is Keith D. I'm president of Osage Advisors. Osage Advisors is a boutique merger and acquisition firm working with business owners and their families looking to sell their companies, uh, typically with revenues of $5 million and up. Uh, this is our 22nd year in business, and welcome to um, our podcast. Uh, today, we're going to continue our conversation uh, with Steve Holt. Steve, welcome. Uh, just for your background, Steve is a partner with the firm of Mandelbaum Barrett. Uh, Steve has specific expertise in estate planning, succession planning, and has been involved in multiple M&A transactions, both buy-side and sell-side throughout his career. Uh, Steve, welcome back. I appreciate you coming back for the for the next episode. Well, thank you for having me, Keith. Always always a pleasure. Great. Um, so we spoke in detail um, last episode about a number of tax strategies implementing and the importance of planning, right? I mean, people, when they think of taxes, they're thinking when they think about taxes, when they have to pay their taxes, right? They procrastinate. They don't want to f focus on it. Um, it's our job, your job, my job is to get them to focus on it well ahead of a transaction so they can minimize uh, their tax implication, both federal and state, uh, possibly defer tax or even avoid taxes uh, under the current tax code. So, um, you know, we took a lot in last episode. Uh, I know you have some other strategies that you would like to make our uh, audience aware of. And um, so I will hand it off to you. Great, great. Thanks, Keith. And, and thanks again for uh, having me back. Um, last time we focused on how to save or minimize or neutralize estate taxes uh, with careful planning uh, well ahead of a sale transaction. Um, there are, uh, as I also mentioned, there's very little you can do to save um, federal income tax on a sale other than to be sure that your um, assets being sold are capital assets so you can enjoy the long-term capital gain rate, which is 20%. Um, of course, the other way is to do a reorganization uh, where you receive securities of the buyer. Uh, that, however, only defers the tax to a later date. Um, so when we do our planning, uh, other than making sure that the entity structure is appropriate, uh, ideally where the entity is a pass-through business, such as an S corporation or LLC, if you can do that, um, there's not much else you can do to save the uh, federal estate tax uh, you want to make sure it's a capital gain uh, and you want to make sure that there's no double level of tax, which will happen typically with a C corporation where uh, the C corporation sells the assets and then liquidates. There you get hit twice. Um, so if you can be an S corporation or if you can be an LLC, uh, that's the ideal. Um, just kind of as a quick segue, there are ways to convert uh, through what's called an F reorganization, mm -hmm. uh, a, 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 an S corporation into an LLC, uh, which has some benefits if your buyer um, uh, is a, an entity that can only own the business through uh, a pass-through entity. And that's a, a little off topic, but um, suffice it to say that there are some planning opportunities yeah. to lock well, you into that capital gain rate. And we're seeing the F reorg uh, happen with... Uh a lot of private equity buyers that we're dealing with lately. We've had uh, several transactions over the last, um, I would say a year where they use the F reorg as uh, a method to 
um, you know, minimize the tax implications. So, um, right. Well, so the, the the private equity buyer, you know, is often buying an S corporation. Right. Uh, S corporations cannot be owned by other entities, uh, but an LLC can. So the so the F reorganization uh, through a set of complicated structure and and steps um, can convert. Uh, the S corporation that's actually being sold into an LLC so that after the sale, this is normally in the instance of a partial sale, right. uh, the the buyer entity will own some of the LLC, the operating company, and a new S corporation owned by the founders will own the other portion. It's a very, very good device to uh, allow for that um, flexibility um, and, and again, it's designed primarily to deal with the case where the buyer is buying uh, a partial interest, but not the entire company and the owners are expected to stay in. It also facilitates the rollover of equity in the case of a structure that is trans as structured as a, I'm sorry, a transaction is structured as a cash and equity sale. Yeah, so you're bringing um, up uh, an area where, you know, someone like yourself is critical to, um, to the owners looking to sell because you know, F reorg, what does that mean? Right. They've never heard it. Well, never would never hear it if they weren't selling their company. So it's important for them. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, to have a strong uh, tax department, a tax attorney uh, that really understands how that works and, and, and you know, is, is, is involved in multiple transactions so that this is not missed um, and is handled properly from the seller side. Um, and you know, it's a very complicated, like you said, the tax law is complicated. That's why no one wants to really focus on it. Uh, and that's why part of that trusted advisor group, you know, the guys like the investment bank, like ourselves, attorneys who do the M and a state and trusts, uh, your CPA firm, et cetera, wealth management firm are critical to have really top notch advisors advising you, uh, before you close. That's an important, that's an important point, Keith. And, you know, um, it, it it happens uh, more frequently than we more frequently than we would like to see where uh, the the buyers uh, get into bed with 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 our seller uh, they structure a deal uh, obviously the buyers and particularly concerned about the seller's tax consequences they're looking for more strategic structure. Um, and then when it finally comes to us, you know, with waving the white flag about you know having accomplished a great uh, negotiation toward a, a terrific sale, um, we have to inform them that, well, it's not going to really be that advantageous from a tax perspective. Um, what you've done has potentially caused there to be more tax than you have to pay. Um, and did you take into consideration the tax when you uh, looked at the pricing? And unfortunately, too often, the answer is no. Right. Uh, and when your accountant and your tax attorney sit down and really digest it, uh, the, the net net doesn't look so good any longer. You know, and now the cow's out of the barn and the buyer's committed to a number. Um, and it's something that uh, it shouldn't happen. Um, we encourage our, uh, you know, family attorneys, corporate attorneys uh, to really think about uh, bringing in the tax people earlier than later. Um, that kind of brings me to an interesting strategy that we've been using quite frequently. Um, the good news about it is it's blessed by the IRS. There's been multiple IRS um, rulings issued uh, that if you do this according to the structure that the IRS has has uh, approved in rulings, 
um, it'll allow for the saving of state income tax on the deal. Um, why is the IRS blessing relevant? The IRS blessing is relevant because the trust, which is used in this technique, has to be structured in a very unique way uh, that um, uh, kind of works between the dichotomy between the estate tax law and the income tax law affecting what are called grantor trusts. Um, so I want to get into it a little bit. It's complicated. Uh, again, it's designed to save state estate tax. Uh, it can only be utilized if the uh, seller is a resident of a state uh, that has laws delineating what is a resident trust uh, that allow for its use. Uh, for various reasons, uh, there are many, many states where uh, simply having uh, the seller be a resident of that state causes the trust to be a resident trust, and therefore this technique doesn't work. It works only if uh, you can create a trust, which will be the ultimate seller, and I'll get into that in a minute, um, that will not be taxed in the state of residence of the grantor of the trust, the business owner. Uh, the states that allow for this are, among others, New Jersey, Arizona, California, Colorado, Hawaii, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, New Mexico, Oregon, South Carolina, Louisiana, and Utah. Hmm. So if you're a resident of one of those states, um, you might be able to utilize its technique. It's called an ING trust, I-N-G. That stands for Incomplete Gift Non-Grantor Trust. Um, the way it would work very simply uh, is that the business owner would transfer the equity interest in his company into an ING trust ahead of a sale, uh, hopefully at a low value because um, uh, that's going to be important in the, in the mechanism. Uh, the trust is not a grantor trust, meaning that it's taxed. So it's taxed at the federal level. You're expecting to pay the federal tax on the sale proceeds. Um, the gift into the trust is an incomplete gift, meaning that uh, when and if the owner unwinds the trust to get the proceeds back out, um, he will not have used up any of his gift and estate tax exemption because it's deemed to have not been a gift for estate and gift tax purposes. Um, the reason uh, that it's structured the way it is, uh, is to allow for it to be a non-grantor trust and at the same time be an incomplete gift. And those two are opposite in the tax code. Um, so uh, there's a lot of bells and whistles that have to be built in. Um, if it works, uh, the advantage is that when this trust sells the interest in the company, whether it's a sale of assets or a sale of the equity interest, uh, because the trust is a non-resident trust of the state in which the owner resides, um, there's no uh, income tax payable to that state. Hmm. And we set these up in states that don't have an income tax on trust. So those include, among others, Nevada, Wyoming, uh, and Delaware. I've done these in Delaware and Nevada primarily. Um, the big bang for the buck here is that uh, even though um, it doesn't look like it should be this beneficial, uh, the grantor of the trust or the business owner um, can be a permissible beneficiary of the trust. So through the auspices of a distributions committee that is created under the trust agreement, uh, the distributions committee can make distributions of the assets back out to the grantor. So it's a wonderful scenario. You park your business interest in the trust, 
you do it ahead of a sale, hopefully way ahead of a sale. Uh, I recommend a year. Um, the trust sells the interest, whether it's a sale of assets or the business interest itself. Uh, the trust pays 20% capital gains, just like the business owner would, but there's no zero state income tax. So that, that's um, interesting because, you know, we, we both have clients that, um, you know, ahead of a sale, their tax planning technique is I'm moving to a tax-friendly state, right? And and they do that because they want to, you know, the state income tax could be a significant bite depending on where you live. So, you know, and, and they may not really want to move there, but they're doing it from a tax perspective. You know, again, of course, they're out of the, now they're not in their community any longer. Now they're away from their kids, their grandkids. Maybe they have an ailing parent uh, or so. And what I'm hearing from you is, is like, you know, just you don't know what you don't know. Right. So you need to seek good, sound advice from a tax perspective, yes. like this, like yourself with Ink Trust. And if you're in one of these states that you mentioned, and there's it sounds like about 15 or 20 of them, that you could set this up, you can invest the money, you know, to, to set this up. And then once you sell that company, you're still living in the, you're, where you want to live and you, you're, you're deferring or eliminating any state income tax implications. That's correct. You know, the, the, the people that think to relocate ahead of a business sale, and we've, we've had them do it, some successful, some not, right. uh, don't appreciate enough that the relocation has to be real. Um, you, you know, there's no, there's no shorthand to that. Uh, if you've ever paid income tax in New York um, and decide to move to Florida, uh, Florida, uh, New York will come looking for you. Mm -hmm. uh, New Same, York yeah. has audit offices set up in Florida. Uh, they look for people that relocate. Uh, their interest is in making sure that it was real. Um, and too often it's not real. Uh, the domicile for tax purposes is defined as, you know, where you hang your hat, where right. your center of vital interests are. So I've had many clients set up a, set up their office in Florida, uh, buy a condo there, uh, but their wife stays here, their primary residence is here, their vacation home is here, the kids go to school here, um, and that doesn't work. Right. Uh, you need to relocate your center of vital interests. Um, and um, again, New York and now, uh, not to the same degree, but New Jersey as well, uh, they have processes to look for these people. So what happens is, if you're operating a business in New York, for example, uh, you still have to file a New York return if any of your business income is allocated to New York uh, and you're a pass-through entity, um, which is often the case, LLC or S-corporation. So the, 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 the state salivates when year, year one, they get a resident return and year two, they get a non-resident return with a Florida address. They're, they're going to they're gonna do some diligence on that. Right. Um, which could be expensive so if... if uh... You know, it's not just paying it back tax. It's also the penalties, the interest, uh, uh, the time you have to spend. Now you have to, you know, re-engage with your tax attorney or your accounting firm to um, uh, be your representative uh, with the state of New York or Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut has offices in uh, in Florida as well. I'm sure many other states do as well. They're, you know, looking for people doing exactly what you're saying. It's not really where they're domiciled. So, uh, and then you're, you know, all it's like you don't want those surprises, right? You don't want the fact that you wake up one morning and there's a tax notice in your mailbox. And that's right. like one of the most uncomfortable things people can look is a notice from the IRS 
even if it's a nice notice, when you see the IRS on it or state of New Jersey or New York, you look at it and you're like, the anxiety level goes up, right? You're, and the hair in your back goes up. Oh, what's this all about, right? It could be nothing or it could be something substantial like you're talking about. Hey, by the way, you, know, you sell a $50 million business and you, you got a couple million dollar state income tax liability you're trying to defer by moving to Florida. That could be quite expensive. So, I'm, they, they I'm hearing what you're saying, easily. right? Absolutely. I'm, Absolutely. I'm hearing about the, you know, something like this, you know, again, complicated, but it's favorable tax treatments that's written to the law, blessed by the IRS. You know, it's, it is a vehicle that could help you. So you know, for our audience, for business owners out there, I think it's critical. You know, people you know, typically don't like to spend money on professional services, right? Uh, some do, but it's really an investment you're making this investment to help you long-term, you know, save you money. So if I can invest X dollars today, that's going to save me Y. Look, you got to, re- you got to look at it as your return on your investment versus a cost. And it, it makes complete sense to sit down with someone like yourself and look at your, your various options, which I mean, you guys do every day, right? You guys got, you got business owners in transition. I'm sure you've got several on, on the calendar right now looking to close by four year end. And, you know, and a lot of them have, seek your advice and taken your advice and spent invested in the plan, right? Just like they were with a wealth manager advisor invested in their tax plan so that they're, they can sleep at night once they close. Um, and if they don't make that investment and I love to, you know, we talked a little bit on the last episode. I'd love to get your input on this is, you know, once, you know, the cat's out of the bag with the family and you're talking about how you're going to allocate this, who's in the business, who's not in the business, you know, some of these family dynamics are can be quite complicated, right? It could be, it could be the parents, or it could be two brothers, it could be a brother and a sister, right? And the brother, the brother may have remarried, the sister may have remarried. So you got, you got the, you got the kids, you got the stepkids, you got the stepwife, you got the stepbusband, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, there's a lot going on when uh, behind the scenes, uh, and you want to shield that from the buyer because. As we say, when you raise that skepticism, if the buyer feels that something's going on, they're investing in the management team, investing in the family. They feel something. They may take a pause. And I'd love to hear you know, your perspective on that because you deal with yeah. it like I do every day. And our job is to kind of, I don't know, find a mutual path to agreement among various family members. Well, that's, you know, that's an important topic, Keith. Um, by the way, you should, we have an opening on our marketing department, if you'd like to. Uh, <laughs> I may have to hire you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the kind words, but, but it's important. Um, you know, I've been doing this for so long and uh, a, a large number of our clients are family businesses, whether it's, uh, you know, parent, child or brothers. Uh, I have one client, they're, they're now in their fifth generation and they're actually second cousins. Um, the family dynamics and um, what that implies uh, are, are very critical to focus on in, in the process uh, for two reasons. Number one, uh, you don't want any surprises. Um, you want your family to be on board. You want to make sure that the people are dedic- that are dedicated to the business are going to be there without distractions. Uh, secondly, you want to make sure that the buyer um, doesn't have to be distracted by what's happening within a family. Um, and then thirdly, you want to make sure that all of your children and grandchildren are treated fairly. Um, and that's obviously the hardest thing to reconcile, particularly where uh, you have cases where the um, a child is, is in the business 
party to the business transactions, uh, active in growth, uh, and is uh, appealing to the buyer. Um, you know, how, that person is obviously going to get a lot better treatment uh, financially. They're, they're going to have a nice compensation package, maybe incentives from the buyer. Maybe they've been given an interest in the business, which they're entitled to. Um, uh, and how do you deal with that with the kids who are not in the business? Um, and it's something we spend a lot of time with our clients when we're talking about a business sale. Uh, you know, dad's entrusted uh, Jimmy with the keys to the castle, given him a nice piece of the business. Well, well what did Mary get? Uh, and what is Mary entitled to? And the answer is, you got to think about it. Uh, you know, there's nothing worse than leaving a legacy uh, where uh, you've created animosity among yeah, your children exactly. uh, and, and where there's been uh, unfair treatment. Um, even though, you know, every every parent tells me, my son has helped me build this business. He deserves what he gets. He does. And he should have it or the daughter should have it. Um, but that doesn't mean you minimize what you're going to do for your other children um, because, you know, you've 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 you don't need to leave the ill will behind. And there's so many easy fixes, you know, including life insurance, uh, equalization plans. I spend many, many hours talking to clients about equalization plans. How are we going to take care of everybody? Um, and then many times there isn't a solution. And now we have to make the other children understand that, you know, the son that's in the business or the daughter that's in the business uh, earned it by sweat equity. I mean, it wasn't just a piece of cake handed to them. They they had to perform. Um, and usually we can get that message across. And, and as I was telling Keith uh, earlier, you know, we were psychologists right. to a large degree um, because there's emotion. Um, there's nothing worse when going to a buyer and they see all of the tension in the family uh, and, they, and they have to think about, well, what does this mean to us? Uh, is this going to become a distraction or worse? Is one of these kids going to sue us uh, or sue the seller? Um, it's just not good uh, from a marketing perspective when you're trying to sell your business. You want to you want to be buttoned up at home as part of the whole process. Yeah, and even it even comes out like uh, we had a client years ago um, and he was very secretive. He separate cell phone, separate email, Gmail address, didn't want anybody to know anything. Um, and he started the business as young, a young person and he had four cousins, you know, that they would spend every Thanksgiving together. And, but the four cousins worked in the business. And so when it finally came out that he had to tell him, cause you know, we're getting to due diligence and we had a deal on the table to bring him into him. He says, okay, I got to come up with a plan for my cousins, right? Cause I, they helped me get where I am today. And so we came up with uh, a strategy, uh, you know, we, you, and it called deal bonuses, right? Each one was going to get X um, at closing for thank you, you know, check, right? Um, a sizable check was thank you for your work. And, and, and my client thought it was a fair amount, but all of a sudden the cousins, they were like, uh, that doesn't work for us, right? So he had to come back and I kind of said, look, we're not, we're walking, we're walking. And this is like, we're like a month from closing. We're deep into diligence unless you do X. So we ended up bringing up a buyer had to know what's going on because you know, you got to be full disclosure. So we had at the bright point, we bought him in. We, we came up with a, another plan with a, uh, a higher amount of closing. We set up a management pool. They can have an equity interest moving forward, but it was a tense 30 days to get through this because they were surprised 
right? And like you say, you want to live many surprises. We, we figured it out. And the buyer actually contributed to figure it out because he became part of the solution, right? Again, working it through the emotion aspect of, you know, you're not, no equity owner, cousins helping me out, you know, and all of a sudden they realize they're, they're shocked to their system that this was happening. And then this is all, this is all worth to you. My client thought he was being generous. They felt something different. Okay. I, you know, drove down eight hours and sat with them uh, and put a whole pl another plan on the, on the, uh, on the table. Cause my client, frankly, wasn't comfortable talking to him about it. I spent hours talking about, Hey, well, how about this solution? How about that? We finally came up with a solution and we brought the buyer in who actually contributed to helping with the solution. But to your point, you know, these family dynamics, um, um, you as a parent, is uh, like you, you know, we're not gonna live forever, and it's gonna be your kids, right? It's gonna be your daughter, your son, a couple, maybe, maybe um, could be two, four, five, whatever. How many kids you had? You want them to get along, um, you know, after you're gone and after the sale. And sometimes it doesn't work out, but you know, you working with someone like yourself, setting up a good tax, a trust tax strategy, bringing everybody into it can try to minimize that uh, friction, so to speak. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the key component is disclosure, uh, honest disclosure, um, oftentimes handled through uh, trusted advisors who, um, you know, appreciate the tension and can deal with it, um, kind of waylay that off from, from dad so that um, everybody ultimately is comfortable with what's happening. Um, it, it brings to mind a, a war story. I, I, I say it because of the comical component of it, um, if I might have a second. Sure, um, absolutely. Two brothers had formed a company. Uh, they brought in their sons. Uh, the sons didn't get along for a host of reasons. Um, and over time, although they were very close, uh, the brothers uh, had more and more tension developing between them, all related to the family. Uh, they're trying to sell the business. They're trying to decide, you know, how they divide up certain assets, uh, proceeds, uh, who's going to work in what capacity. Um, starts and stops six or seven times. It took well over a year to finally get to the finish line. Uh, we were a couple days ahead of the closing, and uh, one of the brothers called and said, the deal's off, you know, stop the presses, we're done. Uh, we had an unresolvable issue. So, you know, couldn't wait to hear what that was. So I said, well, what is it? How can we help? He says, we can't de decide who gets the Giants tickets. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, hey, you so never the, know, so right? The, yeah, the tension had boiled down to, you know, no, it just wasn't going to happen for whatever reason. And that was the ultimate uh, the ultimate issue. Um, but no, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's very good. And, you know, we, we as professionals obviously have to um, understand that we wear a lot of hats, um, don't minimize the importance of the family. Dad certainly doesn't. Uh, and um, you don't want to just try to get to the finish line without looking at all of the um, important considerations there. Well, Steve, um, that's a great way to end it. You know, um, transparency is critical. And if, it, if there's a concern, no matter how small you think about it is to a client, it's a concern that has to be dealt with in a big way because if you don't deal with it, they're not going to be happy and it may, it may kill, kill the deal or they may close and just not be happy about it. But you need to find a solution to everybody's satisfaction. Um, can't thank you enough for being with us. Uh, Steve Holt, uh, tax partner with Mandelbaum Barrett. 
appreciate your time. And um, my, my pleasure, Keith. It's, it's quite a pleasure as well. Thank great. you. And uh, everybody, thanks for um, being with us today. Um, again, uh, my name is Keith D., uh, president of Osage Advisors. Uh, you can reach us at our website at osageadvisors.com. Uh, feel free to email me any questions at kdee at osageadvisors.com or give me a call at 860-767-3273, extension 1001. Thanks again for being here and have a great day.